Please do turn to Exodus and to chapter 14, our reading earlier, and our text is found in verse 13, and I read it again together. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. And then in verse 15, he was instructed to tell them to go forward, go forward. My title tonight is Stand Still to See. Well, this is the very well-known account of the way in which God miraculously, supernaturally controlled the events of a whole nation. They were taken into captivity for the first time in Egypt, and the Lord graciously provided a way out, a way out that only needed them to exercise faith. Everything was done for them. Their time in captivity was cruel. It was hard. They had heavy and hard taskmasters. We don't know exactly the name of the Pharaoh who was in charge at the time. We know it was different than the Pharaoh who was quite gracious and kind to Joseph when he was there in Egypt. He showed kindness at different times to Joseph but by the time Moses is leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, the Pharaoh is altogether different. When he sees the children of Israel multiply so that they were more in number than the Egyptians, he makes their task to make bricks even harder. He makes them work longer more blood, more sweat, more tears. And yet the Lord tries to speak to him. I say tries, he can speak to anyone. He did speak to him ten times through the ten different plagues. This Pharaoh was warned. We shouldn't see these plagues of boils and frogs and all sorts as being immediately judgments, they were gracious warnings. Warnings to wake up and to listen. And you know that happens in our lifetime. Those tonight who don't know the Lord, there are things that happen in your life and the Lord would have you to wake up. He would have you to think. He would have you to listen to see what's going on, to stand back. God warns through these tragedies and surprises and these unexpected events. I'm sure Pharaoh didn't expect any one of the ten of them that came upon Egypt. And so it says here in our passage that the Lord will harden Pharaoh's heart. Verse 4, this is mentioned in several chapters, it's a repeated formula. I will harden Pharaoh's heart. What does that mean? We have hearts, not speaking of the physical, but of the spiritual, the moral, the ethical. Pharaoh had an opportunity to make a wise choice, to listen to God, to heed 
the warnings or to shut his ears, to turn away. Ten times he turns away. And so in verse 4 of chapter 14, by now the plagues have come and gone and the children of Israel have been let go reluctantly and the Lord says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart further. The first five plagues came and those were tender warnings. But the second five plagues, the Lord said, would be in a way a form of judgment, but now there's further judgment to come. We see down in verse 8, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. The word there for harden, it's the word that we have for sclerosis, the hardening of the arteries, the hardening of an artery with some calcium deposit or something like that, or an abnormal hardening of tissue in some artery or muscle. Some people have brittleness of muscles. It's a hardening, it's a terrible disease. And you know the word because we have it. Multiple sclerosis. Many different forms of hardening that are going on in the body, stopping the functions that would normally occur. And this is what's happening with Pharaoh, spiritually. And you know, I believe that there are those here. And you know, that's what the Lord will do to you in a tender way. He will take away some of the natural sensitivities. Sin becomes easier. You can sin without caring. And that's what we see with Pharaoh here. He didn't care for God. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He let the people go and now he regrets it. Even though the Lord had opened the way for them to leave and to go to the promised land. 600 chariots are made ready and he goes as well and he chases them hard and fast. The Lord, of course, is sovereign and he sent them the long way round to fool Pharaoh, to frustrate him further. And so they come. We can picture it. There they are standing near the Red Sea. I say standing two, three million people and coming up fast are Pharaoh and his 600 chariots. They're the children of Israel. They feel hemmed in. It seems to them there's no way of escape. We turn from Pharaoh to thinking of the children of Israel. The children of Israel, they start to get very anxious and they start to complain. What a difference there is between Pharaoh and Moses. Look at the tenderness of Moses' heart. God speaks to him, he obeys. He says, go and give this message, and he gives it. But Pharaoh, he draws nigh, verse 10, and he sees the children of Israel, oh, marching after them. What a contrast between the one that's hardened and the one that's tender. 
Which are you tonight? Does God speak to you? Do you hear his voice? Or does your heart get more calloused, more calcified, more resistant to the tender pleadings of Almighty God? Pharaoh versus Moses. Well, let's come to our text here in verse 13. We've mentioned that the children of Israel felt hemmed in. They thought that Moses was hatching a plan. You've brought us here. You're going to kill us. You're going to make sure that they trample all over us because we have no way of escape. But you know, that's the way we need to find ourselves. You know, nobody is converted to Christ easily. Nobody is converted to Christ and comes to him until they feel a desperate, desperate need. This is what's happening here in these verses. The children of Israel, they complain and they say, let us alone. It would have been better if we'd have been in Egypt with all the toys and all the things that appealed to us and all the wonderful fruit and vegetables to eat, and all you're going to do is bring us here to kill us, to die in the wilderness. So Moses is to instruct the people to do certain things. Notice in this verse, verse 13, it says the word see or seen three times. Stand still and see. That's the first one. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you this day for the Egyptians whom ye have seen. The second one, ye shall see them again no more. The third one. So let me tell you tonight, there was something that they were to do. They were to stand still and see. Stand still and see. But before they could do that, they needed to stop doing something. Stop panicking, fretting, fussing. Stop thinking that you're the answer in life. Stop thinking that there's any other way out. Nobody was ever saved until they saw that Christ is the only Saviour. You see, that's the great problem. We think we can do something. We think maybe our parents must do something. Our husband, our wife must do something. The church must do something. And here the Israelites in the wilderness, they need to come to rock bottom. They need to see there's no way out there, there and there. The only way is going to be an impossible way. A way that seems to be blocked, a mighty river that's so deep you can't swim, it's too strong, you can't walk through it. No, it's stacked up in front of them. But they can't see it. So the Lord says to them, Fear ye not. One of those many fear nots. Fear ye nots in the Bible. The problem is we do fear, don't we? We live in a world of fear. 
I think this nation is characterized by fear. Fear of this, fear of that. From the very beginning of time, since Adam and Eve fell, they were fearful. They feared the eyes of God and so they hid. They feared the voice of God and so they turned away. Fear was how the ancient kings ruled. Fear is how some parents parent wrongly. The wrath of a parent should never fall on a child. Fear for the unborn. Some don't fear for the unborn. Fear for children growing up in such a sinful, dark world. Fear for ourselves. Fear in the midst of trials and a difficult week ahead. Fear, fear, fear. And the Lord comes with a message. He says to Moses, say to the people, tell them all, stop fearing, because I am God. I can do anything. You may have had years behind you of unbelief. You may have had years of not knowing the Lord near. Stop. Fearing. The problem is when we fear, we shake, we run around sometimes in circles, and then the instruction comes stand still, stand still, stand still and see what the Lord is going to do for you. Stand still and see the salvation. You see, one of our hymns says this, Sovereign, ruler of the skies, ever gracious, ever wise, all my times are in his hands, all events at his command. He'd led Moses so far. He's going to open the waters. There's going to be a way out. But until they feel completely hemmed in, he won't reveal to them this salvation. So the first is that they need to see something that they're not to do, to fear, and then they can see something that they should do. Stand still. Sometimes we go too quickly, don't we? I'm sure some of you will have heard of this tragic accident of a young man driving Age 17, seemingly, from what I understand, going too fast, losing control. But you know, we're like that. We can go too fast in life. Too fast when we should be stopping. And standing still. And seeing what God has done, and what he will do, and what he will show. We read Psalm 46 deliberately, it's I'm sure, referring back to this very verse. Be still and know that I am God. You see, that's the problem. We keep running around. We keep fretting. We keep worrying. We keep thinking we've got to do it. But the Lord is going to do it all. Salvation is all 
of Christ. Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. We worry about the trivial, the tiny, the temporary, the things that really we shouldn't be exercised about at all, things that can be put behind. But our soul and salvation and where we're going in life and for eternity, that's what counts. And the Israelites here are a picture of us, panicking, fretting. There was no graves in Egypt. You brought us here. We're going to die in the wilderness. Why have you dealt with us like this? But the Lord who brought you here will bring you through. You see, this applies to believers and to unbelievers. It's the same things that we need to learn for the first time and the umpteenth time. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. There will be a deliverer. Now, how will that deliverer come? The deliverer for them was Moses. He was raised up out of obscurity, just like Christ. He was taken out of Pharaoh's court for such a time as this. This would be the means of salvation because from this people will come the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom he is a figure. Moses was to go with a message. And Christ came with a message. And I come to you tonight with a message. Will you hear? The message isn't from me. It's from the Lord. Moses goes with the message. Verse 13, Say unto the people, Fear ye not, and see. Now, perhaps you think I'm just exaggerating and this is just a bit of history, or maybe you don't even see it as history. You see it as a story. But look at the end of the verse. Ye shall see them again no more forever. It's pointing to the salvation from sin. This is spiritual. It's not really about two or three million people it is. It's accurate history. But this for us is the gospel. In this verse, we have in a picture Moses coming like Christ, saying to the people, Stop! Stand still! See the Saviour! And this Egypt, this world, the world that's controlled by Satan, the world that's cruel and unfair and like a tyrant ruling your life, sucking you into addiction, sucking you into pornography, sucking you in to an entertainment world that will never satisfy. And the Lord comes with a message and says, Stand still. I can free you from all of that. I can break the chains and the shackles. I'll give you freedom. But you first need to stop fearing the world and Pharaoh. And you need to stand still. And you need to look in the right place. You need to look to me. Look to me. And you will see the salvation. Do you notice? Today, today, 
which he will show you today. Is there someone here tonight? You've been wrestling in your soul. You've been fretting and worrying. You're not, you're not at right. You're not at peace with God. You know deep down in your soul, if the Lord came tonight, you don't know you're going to be with him for all eternity. You don't know because you haven't got peace in your heart. You're like the Israelites, anxious, fretful. And they had the wrong answer. Verse 12, let us alone. We want to go back to Egypt. Stop worrying me with all this spiritual nonsense. Stop telling me that there's a better life beyond the river. But now we see something else. We see that the Lord is going to open the, the way. And for those that will put their faith in the words that come, the message from God through Moses, through the preacher who was to preach to them, those that will go forward, those that will believe. They didn't have to do anything else. They weren't to wait for a relative. They weren't to wait till a convenient day, the day the Lord called. They were to go forward. They were to see the salvation of the Lord. It hadn't happened yet, but for us it has. Christ has died on the cross. He's given himself as a ransom for many. And we need to look to him tonight. But for them, they came to the Red Sea. And to them it seemed impossible. Death was certain. Pharaoh would squash them, kill them, trample them underfoot. There was no way out. There's no hope. But there is hope. There is a saviour. Look at what it says in verse 14. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. You won't have to do anything. You won't have to lift a hand. You won't have to go into battle because Christ has gone into battle with Satan for you on your behalf. He doesn't require you to do anything except to feel your need, except to believe that the way he has provided is sufficient, is suitable for you. See the salvation of the Lord, a salvation that the Egyptians have seen. They've seen you ahead of them. Now the Lord hedges them about. Notice what it said in our reading. The cloud would be an obstacle between them. There would be a division between the Egyptians, which picture the world lost, and the Israelites, which picture the church, saved, safe, delivered. Moses was to lift up the rod, to stretch out his hand. And the Lord would again, verse 17, harden the hearts of the Egyptians. They would chase after them. There's many obstacles in life, many people in this world, they don't want you to trust in Christ. 
The world doesn't want you to trust in Christ. The Egyptians will follow after you. The voices of the world will say, don't listen, don't go, stay where you are, come back to the world with us. Don't listen to the world. Listen to the Lord tonight. Everything he said to the Israelites was true, it happened. It's history. Archaeology has proven this to be accurate. We don't need that, but it's comforting, it's reassuring. And so they listen. But they didn't just need to listen. Look at verse 15. Is this a word for you tonight? And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Moses, don't just speak and cry and pray to me. You go and speak to the Israelites. Be the preacher to speak to them. And tell them two words. Go forward. But we can't. It's not possible. Ah, but you're looking in the wrong way. You're facing in the wrong direction. You're looking to the world for the answer. The answer's with the Lord. Stand still and see. Do nothing. But trust in the Lord. And wonderfully, the Lord opens up the waters. How else can three million people go through a river in one day? It's an impossibility unless the Lord opens the way, which surely he did. Moses stretches out his hand, and somehow I can't explain it's a miracle. Somehow they went on dry land, a sure path, a safe path through the sea, and not one of them was lost. They all got to the promised land. And the Egyptians could chase them all they liked, but they were safe. Look down at verse 30. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. The river that was safety to the Israelites was death to the Egyptians. Verse 31, And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And look what happens to their natural, physical fear. It turns from a fear of men, a fear of the world, a fear of the office, a fear of what people will say, to the only good fear, the fear of the Lord. Who do you fear tonight? Do you fear what people will say when you go to the office tomorrow morning and tell them that you're a Christian, that you love the Lord with all your heart? Or do you fear God? Fear God. Stand still and see. The people feared the Lord. And they believed the Lord, and they believed his servant Moses. 
Let's go back to verse 15. Those two words. Imagine what would have happened if some didn't believe. They were a mixed multitude. The Israelites are a picture of the church. Everybody in the church of Jesus Christ, those that the Lord has called, will hear and will come. Not one will be lost. So none of the Israelites could be lost. The picture wouldn't work. But what about you? Will you go forward? There is only one way out. There's only one way to eternal life. There's only one way to have Satan off your shoulder, to have no more Egypt, no more death, no more addiction. And that's to stand still, to see the Lord tonight, to put your trust in him, and then to go forward. Go forward in faith, not in yourself. Go forward in what the Lord has done on Calvary for all of his people. It's no more complicated than that. Stand still. See. Go forward. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank thee for this wonderful picture of full, complete salvation. Nothing required. No good works. No right upbringing. No right relation but only to stand still and see and to trust Christ and to go forward. Oh Lord, help us to see tonight. Salvation is our need and there is only one Saviour, even the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake.